0: Presenting this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. We're talking to experts in the field about sports and exercise related injuries and the latest advances in diagnosis, treatment, and prevention to help your patients stay active. Get along, little doggies. We're going to talk to a physician today who's a rodeo doctor, the guy who fixes up what those bucking bulls try to destroy. And he also worries about child safety. You're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Mark Brandenburg, Vice Chairman and Program Director, Department of Emergency Medicine at the University of Oklahoma in Tulsa. Welcome, Mark. Oh, thank you for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. Listen, first tell us about yourself and how you got interested in the work that you do.
1: Well, I'm an emergency physician. I am an Okie, and I live here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but trained in emergency medicine in Oklahoma City. While there, I became quite interested in injury prevention because we encountered in training quite a few injuries that seemed to be fairly repetitive and predictable in children and some in young adults as well. One of those particular areas of interest that I encountered and became quite interested in, in residency training was the rodeo injuries that we saw. We saw all types, but it seemed to be fairly repetitive when we were speaking about the bull riders. We would see head injuries in particular, but all sorts of orthopedic injuries as well. The case that really stuck with me and has really propelled my interest throughout the next 15 years was a 15-year-old who was killed while bull riding, and he was in the high school national high school finals rodeo. He suffered a, an injury when the bull kicked him in the back of the head, Of course, he was not wearing protective headgear at the time, and it was the question that I had begun asking myself, but as well others who were in the area of taking care of these athletes. It became clear that helmets were not routine, in fact were very rare in the sport at that time, and so I began an effort in collaboration with our Oklahoma State Department of Health as well as a gentleman and former bull rider in Texas who was beginning work on the development of a specialized helmet for bull riders.
0: That's really interesting. You know, you use the term athletes. I'm from the Midwest, from Chicago, and we tend not to think of bull riders as athletes, but they truly are. It takes a tremendous amount of strength and skill,
1: doesn't it? It definitely does, and these bull riders in the modern-day sport. Do train and they work out and they travel quite a bit to the various rodeos and they're making the big money just like some of the other sporting competitors are in today's world. And in fact, in the recent years, the PBR, which is the Professional Bull Riders Association has been prime time when the finals are on in Las Vegas in November.
0: What kind of medical care is available at rodeos besides yourself?
1: Well, we usually have orthopedists. We often will have chiropractors. And we like to have emergency physicians available because we certainly have some pretty um, catastrophic injuries that are not very uncommon and uh, in need of an emergency physician at the ringside.
0: So no dermatologists like myself in case people get sunburned on the bull.
1: Uh, not too many dermatologists.
0: So you've done a lot of work on these helmets. I read some of your papers. Are the helmets mandatory?
1: Well, no, they're not. We had a conference in Calgary, and this is another group that is doing similar work out of the University of Calgary, and we've become long-time fast good friends that collaborate and get together um, annually. But we had a conference where we brought in most of the folks from around the country and uh, from around Canada who were doing work behind the scenes on rodeos, and we produced and published a, an agreement statement that was modeled after the 2002 sports concussion agreement statement in Vienna. And this particular paper was similar, but focused on the rodeo sport. And it did recommend that helmets in athletes less than 18 years of age be made mandatory. And it recommended that in the older riders it would be a recommendation. And we were basing that on the reality of the fact that we did not expect we would get rodeo athletes right away to begin taking off their cowboy hat and wearing helmets.
0: Well, that's the next question I wanted to ask you, because we're talking about future medicine, in other words, how we can influence changes in medicine in the future, and we wanted to talk about that cowboy hat. Do you think that that's the whole issue, that guys are so used to that Western cowboy hat that they're not going to take that off for their own safety?
1: It's a big part of it. This is not like football or hockey. Getting a helmet on these athletes is much, much more difficult, and it has to do with that cowboy hat there is something very alluring and very culturally ingrained in the spirit of these competitors. And the sight of a cowboy hat flying off of a cowboy who's riding a bull is just part of American folklore and heritage. And to get these young men to take off a cowboy hat when they get on a bull is more than half the battle.
0: I hear you. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Mark Brandenburg, who's program director of the Department of Emergency Medicine at the University of Oklahoma in Tulsa about his vision for a safer future for bull riders. We're going to talk about his vision for a safer future for children, too. Well, let's get back to rodeos for one second. The question I've always wanted to know, those rodeo clowns, they're more than just clowns, aren't they? Don't they have a big part in the safety and injury mitigation?
1: Well, they actually do. Now, there's two types. There's the clown who is out there often with a microphone and cracking jokes and doing funny things, and they usually stay well away from the bulls. And they are primarily there to entertain the crowds during intermissions. But then there's the bullfighters, and the bullfighters are a whole different competitor in some instances because they actually do have competitions, but they're also an athlete, more of an athlete, and they do play a much more integral role in the rodeo itself, particularly bull riding. And they don't necessarily like to be called clowns. They prefer the word and the term bullfighters.
0: What gets those bulls so angry? Do they just not like people on their backs or do they like hit them with something?
1: Well, these bulls don't like people on their backs. They don't like the rope that's tied around them. They have been over the years bred to be uh, fairly aggressive. So the bulls today are in many ways different from the bulls 50 years ago because these bulls have been bred through lines and across lines from other bulls that have showed similar aggressiveness.
0: You have a lot of interest in safety besides the rodeo riders. By the way, one more question. Do bull riders, do they have insurance through an organization? must be pretty expensive.
1: Uh, Most of them don't. As far as I know, the professional organizations are now doing a pretty good job of providing their follow-up. Uh, surgical care, and maybe even some for the rehabilitation. Certainly bull riding is, through the epidemiological work we've done, the most dangerous organized sport that we could find in the current medical literature.
0: Yeah, I was going to say compared to other sports, it's got to be like the worst. It appears to be. What are some of the worst injuries you've seen without getting too graphic here on the radio? Besides (laughs) your young man who died,
1: I mean, guys must really get messed up. They do. Of course, the worst injuries tend to be central nervous system injuries, and that is the focus of much of the work that we've done here in Oklahoma. We see both brain and spinal cord injuries, but we see far more brain injuries and, uh, of course, concussions being the most common of those. And that is, in fact, the focus of some of the material that we're going to be presenting at the Second International Rodeo Medicine Conference next month in Oklahoma City, having to do with concussion management in sports
0: you're also involved in a lot of writing about child safety. You've written a book on child safety. What got you moving into that direction?
1: Uh, It takes me back to Oklahoma City in my uh, emergency medicine residency training, working at Children's Hospital of Oklahoma. We saw injuries on a repetitive basis in children that seemed to be, after we had experienced them time and time again, it seemed to be common sense, but it was very clear to us that this isn't always common sense to folks out there in the community. My first research was to just look through the lay literature to see if there's any materials out there for new parents and grandparents and others who take care of children to have as a guide to identifying the common injuries that occur and then the strategies that can be implemented to prevent those injuries. And at the time, there really wasn't anything out there. So I spent the next few years researching and writing and came up with Child Safe, the book that was published by Random House in 2000.
0: Great, and I've kind of looked through it. It's really a wonderful book. I had never heard of it before. Does it do well? Do a lot of people buy copies?
1: Well, it's currently out of print because it's not something that I've or been able it to. on
0: Amazon though.
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon, but it's uh, essentially out of print uh, for the last few years, and uh, re- requires periodic updating, particularly with the recalls. And my academic career has taken off over the past few years, and so I've been neglecting getting back to writing the second edition, but it's on my to-do list.
0: Okay. Well, let's hope that you write that. Any other safety fields that you think need to be handled like this? It's interesting that as a physician, I find it fascinating and admirable that you just don't go in there and treat patients. You're trying to do something about it, trying to change the future so that there is much more safety and and less injuries. I, I think that that's really being a proactive physician.
1: Thank you. I'd love to put myself out of business in the uh, child trauma, in the area of pediatric trauma.
0: Any other fields that other doctors that we should be looking at or or writing about besides bulls and children?
1: Absolutely. There's a biggie right now, and that one is all-terrain vehicles. We have been looking into this in Oklahoma, and as well, researchers around the country have been conducting epidemiological research on the injuries. And over the past 10 years, we've seen a dramatic increase in the number of injuries and deaths to not just children, but adults when riding all-terrain vehicles.
0: Because they turn over so easily or because people drive them drunk?
1: No. We um, are finding that only a very small percentage of the injuries are associated with intoxicated drivers. We have um, approximately 50% of the injuries occurring to children. And that occurs in light of the fact that only about, I think, 16 or 18% of the riders of the all-terrain vehicles or children. So we see a much higher likelihood of injury in children. We do see approximately 50% of the severe injuries occurring and involving rollover accidents. So these vehicles have a very high tendency to roll over.
0: And they can be pretty serious injuries, correct?
1: These are very serious injuries. These vehicles are now able to travel at speeds up to 70 miles an hour. And the weight of these vehicles is approaching, and it has exceeded in some models, 700 pounds. So
0: should our listeners who are pediatricians or family practitioners give warnings
1: to their patients about these? Absolutely. We just had a paper published in the Journal of Trauma this month that looked at almost 200 all-terrain vehicle injuries, and approximately 100 of them were rollover accidents. And it is our conclusion that these vehicles have a very high center of gravity that makes them especially dangerous.
0: Is this a problem the manufacturer should approach or we should approach and tell our parents, don't let your kids on these if they're under a certain age, don't let them drive them for fun or in, in dangerous areas? I mean, how do we approach this for those of our practitioners who aren't reading that journal?
1: Sure. Well, the approach to most areas in injury prevention is multifaceted. Particularly with the all-terrain vehicle, we believe that it should Involve many different entities. First, we think manufacturers should take a look at the design of the vehicle to see if modifications can be made to improve safety. We also feel that there's a role for legislators to begin looking at these injuries as preventable and potentially, in fact, here in Oklahoma, we just passed a law that mandates helmets on children when they are on the vehicle and also prevents multiple riders on the vehicle's that are made for just single riders.
0: Thanks for being our guest today and discussing not only rodeo medicine, but talking about your focus on safety for children. I think it's safety is, is a wonderful place for future medicine where we should be looking more for prevention. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to a Reach MD, a channel for medical professionals. ReachMD XM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access not only this show, but our entire program library, and we thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.